Peter Thomas Fornital back with you from Ascot Racecourse, the latest in our series of shows covering the Royal Meeting, sitting here in... I'm just going to call this uh, one of the gardens in the Royal Enclosure, because I'm pretty sure that's what it is, the, the Manjou Bar behind us. Very happy to be joined by a man who, if you've been paying attention to Ask It this week, no doubt you've been seeing his face, whether it's on uh, TVG in the States or ITV internationally. He is Scott Hazelton. Scott, how's it going? Things are going good. Peter, how are you? Life is very, very good. How's the, how the broadcast been so far? I've been hearing good things. They've been warm, to say the <laughs> least, with the uh, morning suit on. I think that that would be at the top of the mind, but... It's only going to get warmer here in the in these next few days, and then it's supposed to cool down on Saturday. But in all honesty, it's been phenomenal working alongside Nick Luck on TVG, uh, Jess Stafford being on the opening show with Ollie Bell, Matt Chapman, and uh, Rishi Prasad, who's one of my dearest friends. But uh, uh, the the interactions with Matt Chapman have caught a lot of folks' attention. In fact, as soon as we sat down here, a couple of a husband and wife came over and said they've been watching that and. It's been good fun going back and forth with Matt. It started with, with Golden Pal and the King Stan in the lead-up to it, and then obviously <laughs> things happen at the start with Golden Pal, and, and uh, Matt was good, though, the next day following that. But uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun being back here. It's been three years. It's been too darn long, and, and uh, let's hope we can keep it rolling for years to come. I was just remembering this was the spot three years ago where you nearly saved my life in the parade ring when I chose an inopportune time to, to cross from the Sky Broadcast position to the Media Center. You gave me that heads up that I think kept me from getting trampled by a horse. So I, thank you yeah, again. You're welcome. No problem. <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> Hopefully... Uh, the USA luck is going to turn here. I do think we have some live chances on on Friday and Saturday. Uh, so far, not so good. Obviously, Golden Pal, well-publicized. Irad looking the wrong way, not being so familiar with the starting rules here. Things happen. That's racing. Whatever. Love reigns. I mean, to me, she had every opportunity and just uh, didn't measure up to the best of these. Yeah, she ran a, she ran a solid race. I mean, as as uh, somebody put it yesterday, in an inferior Queen Mary, she's likely to win that kind of race with the way that she ran. And, you know, unfortunately for Irad, he's handed a five-day suspension as he drifted towards the near side, a couple of pads. I mean, I've watched it back more than a few times. They have the jockey cam on him as well, if you can find that footage. You can see him drift. I mean, it, rules are different here. I yeah. mean, that's the reality. I mean, and there's a. I was not aware of the fact that there's a, an actual pole that you have to stay in your lane until and then you can move. That I didn't so know. That's that is the rule that he broke in order for that five day suspension to be handed out just hours after the ride. So, you know, it's it's these things that, you know, even though we've been here how many times to Royal Ascot, we're still learning. Yeah. And the rules have you know, they've they've made adjustments and changes uh, to, to the rules with the start of horses being you know, declared non starters like we saw in the King Stand. We saw it with the William Buick horse on uh, Oaks or Derby Day, whatever that ended yep. up being. But uh, you know, it's it's been a learning curve for Irad, and, and we'll see if he can bounce back. I really hope that he can come away with a victory because I think it's a bit unfair uh, the way that he's been covered by the racing media here. Uh, you know, people questioning, why did Wesley bring him here? Why is it Frankie riding? You know, why aren't some of the other riders that have come over here and ridden for, for Wesley in the past, Johnny Velasquez and things of that nature? Irad's one of the best in the game. We know that. And Let's hope that he can bounce back with a strong effort in one of these final couple of opportunities he has. I'd love to see it, and, and I agree. I, I think some of the comments have been very unfair and not really understanding the way a horse like Golden Powell has to be ridden. Anyway, right. well, let's move on. We'll turn the page to Friday. Uh, let's see what we can come up with in uh, on this seven-race card. We kick things off with 
the grade three Albany. We're going six furlongs here for these two-year-old fillies. And of course, we've got a big full field and a few that leapt out to me on paper, but very curious to get your thoughts on this one. How do you want to start off the day on Friday? Well, you got to start with the no-name ever filly, right? Um, mediate or mediate. Meditate, excuse me, meditate. The two-year-old filly for Aiden O'Brien, Ryan Moore. She's done nothing wrong in her two starts. We saw the No Name Never uh, bloodlines come through yesterday with Little Big Bear who picked up the win in the Windsor Castle. And I think the number 13 horse has to be respected. Getting the fast ground, it's not gonna, you know, we're not gonna get any rain here in the next 24 hours for these uh, for these races on Friday. Might be different on Saturday, but I think that you've got to give her a strong look. And uh, she most certainly will be one of the ones that uh, you have to pay attention to and feel that this race goes through, especially, you know, having two runs when uh, a lot of these fillies come into this race off of just one one run. The unfortunate thing is that she's going to be a pretty short price, right? I mean, she she's probably going to be near even money, maybe even be sub-even money come post time for the Albany. And my concern with taking such a short price, you mentioned all the positives. O'Brien actually doesn't have a great record in this race. So I was going to lean towards a runner like Modge, who I was extremely impressed by the one run. The form of that race has been working out okay as well. I thought she might be an interesting shot to take into the teeth of that heavy favorite, who I agree is the most likely winner. But especially if you're right and the price is going to be around even money or so, I just wouldn't have the confidence to get too stuck in with that one. What what did you make of Marge? Well, it's kind of that, and I love Saeed Bin Soror, but is he getting the best of the Godolphin horses these days? I think it's it's pretty clear that he's not. Charlie Appleby has moved into that, that top spot. So, you know, did, did this really just surprise some folks? Uh, and again, I'm not knocking Saeed. The man has done more good than most will ever dream of, whether it be here at Royal Ascot or worldwide. Um, so we'll see how she fares for Godolphin. And, and also, there's another uh, no-name-ever filly in this race for David Lockname. Uh, that's Queen Ollie, the number 16. She dashed off in one by three and a half, going six furlongs. So she's going to step back and trip, uh, or actually stay at the same trip, excuse me, six furlongs for the Albany. So I think that you've got to give her uh, a look as well. Charlie Hills has a Sioux Nation filly. Sioux Nation, a past winner here during the Royal Meeting. Uh, that's the sire of uh, Sydney Arms Chelsea. The number 18 horse draws post eight. So, you know, it's it's going to be, you're going to easily find prices once you move away from the Aiden O'Brien filly if you can pry yourself away from that form. Let's talk about the second race on the day, the Group 1 Commonwealth Cup Stakes, six furlongs once again. Scott, where was your eye drawn in here? Well, El Caballo has won, what, the last six starts of his career, and he's done so on synthetic. He's done so going five-eighths on upwards to, to seven furlongs and recently beat a, a large portion of this field that would be competing against him, in the, and he did so in the Kazoo Sandy Lane Stakes. So, I mean, he's the, the clear leader of this three-year-old division. The horse that will be carrying uh, the five saddle cloth flaming rib I think is another one that you've got to give respect to because he just was beaten by uh, El Caballo in that race at Haydock, the Sandy Lane Stakes. So, I mean, those are the two clear-cut ones, in my opinion, based off of that form. Um, maybe we'll see perfect power get back into the rhythm of things with that, that uh, far side draw, perfect power draws post one and is 3-1 to one on the morning line, coming off of an attempt in the in the guineas behind Caribas, who would come back and, and just narrowly win uh, here on opening day. So um, I think that the step back and trip should be a big-time positive for him if he can uh, muster up a trip from that that uh, that far side 
uh, scenario that he's going to find himself in with Richard Fahey. I was a little bit interested in one. I'll put a shout for number three, Eraz, in here. Been beaten by several of these, but I felt like had excuses, especially the the last race, maybe being uh, against the flow. Two races under the belt, maybe a little bit of a price. Seeing the others who've uh, who finished ahead of him this season, uh, I was going to take a little bit of a shot with Eraz. And if you're playing USA style exotics, I think you've you know your your short list there sounds like a pretty good way to to get going messing around with the you know the three for me and I'll use your four five and nine. What about well. Slipstream? Yeah. I mean, I think he gets the trip. I do think that he's a horse that can handle this six furlongs at Ascot. I really do. That's the 12 for Christophe Plamont, who we saw win the, the Palisades at Keeneland back during opening weekend. It's not impossible at all. And I remember this horse looking like such a good turf sprinter and them always saying, even though he was good over six, that they wanted to go longer. You know what? That could be perfect for a stiff six yes. here. You know what I mean? If you have more, a lot of our turf sprinters are going to be caught out at six furlongs at Ascot. But one that really wants to go the mile, well, maybe that's uh, maybe that's something. And I would love to see some USA success. we got to shut up Matt Chapman at some point. Absolutely. <laughs> we do. It's, it's so much. That's the one thing that I think that unless you come here, and, and hopefully folks feel this at home that are watching the, the programs uh, on TVG or watching the races on TVG, the pride that we have because there is such you know i don't want to say complete doubt but there's a lot of doubt that surrounds the american runners and we obviously we bring over they're bringing over nice horses these are horses that have punched their ticket wesley ward's done very well uh through the years clearly but i just i don't want to say take it personal but it almost feels that way at times they're a little dismissive i mean yeah. and, and, and especially this year i mean i think that People are acting like that Golden Palos is somehow reflective of his form, and it's the most obvious line-out I've ever seen. Like, you can't even pay attention yep. to that. So so let's see if we can get somebody uh, carrying the flag. And, and honestly, it's a this is a strong enough group that even a, a, a top-three run from Slipstream would at least give me something to say, hey, Absolutely. guys, you know, don't forget about us over here. Let's move on to race number three. We've got, uh, we've got a, a mile-and-a-half uh, handicap. These races often inscrutable to the USA eye, and I think they're really fun betting races, especially when you're dealing with the whirlpool and the opportunities that that affords right. to take a little bit of a shot. You know, by volume, I'm betting I don't know five x maybe in the group races as opposed to the the handicaps. But but always curious to get the insight of, of someone such as yourself who uh, who follows this stuff. What do you like here in the Duke of Edinburgh? Well, you have to consider post position draw because the higher draws obviously losing ground around the round course is uh, not ideal, and also looking at weights you just have to remind yourself to make sure to see you know obviously the one ever present is high weighted given uh what he's done in his career lightly raised six-year-old he's carrying 140 pounds but you got to go down the list a bit and try to find horses that are carrying considerably less i mean the queen's got a runner in here just fine for sir michael stout and ryan moore her favorite rider who's going to be carrying 130 pounds so that's a 10 pound swing in his form has not been bad. He's had one run this year. It was third where he you know, broke slowly and then ended up uh, rallying to finish third in that race with a field of 11. I think you've got to give a, a look towards that runner for the queen. 
Um, Saeed's got a, a gelding by the name of Brilliant Light who at least has a victory as of late. Spent the winter down in Dubai, but obviously rebounded with that performance last time out, carrying 11 pounds less than the high weight. And Danny Tudhope, who has been the man this week so far yeah. as far as winners, he's had, what, three winners so far? And sits the top of the table there. So Danny's been riding very well um, over the course of these days. So I think you've got to uh, give a look in that direction. So uh, those would be two that I would strongly consider. And, and even William Haggis. I mean, again, looking at weight with Candleford, hasn't raced in seven months, but 124 pounds is what the, the gelding will carry. The, the son of Kingman, he gets back on the turf. His recent races have been good. He's 8-1 to one on our morning line. But then on the flip side of the weight and the form, he draws post-18. What's Tom Marquand going to do? He's a horse that, that led last time out, so is he going to rush up from the outside and try to get position? I would imagine so, but um, he's one that uh, would be intriguing given how much less weight he's carrying in this handicap. I'm with you on Candleford. This was one that was shouted out nicely by our man Rob Dove, one of the top ten pro punters in the U.K. today, who's doing some uh, tipping for us over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus, and he just noted how well the form of the last couple of races has been working out, and, and who knows? Uh, sometimes the, those, those post angles can lead to a bigger price and sort of pay for themselves, as it were, in terms of the difficulty of the chore. Definitely one to keep on side. Nice shouts from Scott from the 8 and the 11 as well. With that, we will proceed back to Group 1 action in the Coronation Stakes for these three-year-old fillies. Lots of USA form on display here with Pizza, Bianca, and uh, Spenderella. Let's start with those two. Do you, do, how do you rate them between each other, and, and do you like one more than the other? I like Spenderella better. I do, and I think Pizza Bianca... Uh, she was flashy, flashy last year at the age of two. There's no question she beat some really nice fillies uh, in that Breeders' Cup run at Del Mar at, at the age of two, including Malabath and, and Hati, who, who's come back since in, in her, I believe it was her three-year-old debut, if I'm not mistaken, just one up in the at, at uh, in the Pet Oaks. Um, but, but nonetheless, I think that her last race was solid in the hilltop. It, it was, was not flashy by any means, and this is going to be a, a huge step up in class for her, for Bobby Flay. Uh, and Christoph Clement, Jose Ortiz. But Spenderella, I mean, she's she's done nothing wrong. She's as straightforward as it gets. Uh, I would imagine the ground will absolutely suit her with the type of speed she has. And Grand Motion's going to uh, William Buick, one of the local riders, to ride this really. So, you know, she beat Dolce Zell, who uh, came out of that race, the Appalachian at Keeneland, to finish third in the Edgewood, which certainly looks good. And, you know, Grand Motion... He's craved to win at Royal Ascot, I think, more than anything in his career at this point in time. And, and you know, many would look at his career and, and just only hope to have the type of success that he's had with wins in the Breeders' Cup and obviously his win with Animal Kingdom in the Kentucky Derby. But I think that she's a serious filly. And they brought a filly over here a couple of years ago that ran very well sharing. in the coronation stakes, sharing for Eclipse Servant Partners. That's right. So I think that uh, they know the type of filly it takes. She's a very well-related filly. She's a half-sister to a Spanish love affair, the Cassie runner, who did so good uh, at, during the course of her career. So I, I think Spenderella, of the two, would be the most likely to, to pick up a place. If I asked you to do a traditional sort of top three, would Spenderella make the cut? Who would the others be? Well, I mean, you've got Guineas winners and Group 1 winners like Cachet, uh, who comes into this race off of a run over at Longchamp and was only beaten by Mangostine uh, in that spot. I, I'd put her second or third, I'd yeah. say, Spenderella. I mean, the Gosden Philly is going to take take a lot of beating in this race. There's no question about it. Even though she's coming off of this 
this lengthy layoff, the fact that they're they're opting to come into this spot for Shevely Park in Spiral, uh, the number five, you know, just tells you something. And she's beaten a lot of these Phillies. She beat Cache last year at Newmarket in the Phillies miles by daylight. I mean, by two and a half lengths. So uh, she'll be tough. And and if you're a San Antonio, San Antonio Spurs fan. Tony Parker's <laughs> right. one of the owners of uh, Mangosteen, the, the Philly that just won that group one over at Longchamp. But, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a good race. I mean, there, there's some very good Phillies in this one. As, as, as much of a favorite as Inspiral, you know, maybe I think Cache will be closely second, potentially in the wagering, uh, looking at the market. But uh, I'd love to see Spenderella put together an effort. And, and Teppin to this date is the biggest international victory that the U.S. has had. If Spenderella or Pizza Bianca is able to pull off a win in the coordination against these types of Phillies, it might even trump what Teppin did in the Queen Anne a few years back. It's big words, and I understand where you're going with that. It, it, I think it would be, it would have a, a real surprise factor that uh, that I'd, I'd be thrilled to see them both run well. And, and I do think Spenderella goes with a chance, that tactical speed. I was going to try to play Spenderella with a bunch of the runners you mentioned, including uh, Cache and Inspiral, and then also... Uh, Rob Dove had a very interesting idea in this one on a runner called Discoveries. I'll leave the specifics of that case to uh, to folks who are looking at the, the stuff that he's putting up in the plus service, but uh, Discoveries, another runner. I'm going to mess around, um, try to see if we can get Spenderelli into some exotics in the coronation. Let's talk about uh, race number five on the card. We've got the three-year-old Phillies in the Sandringham. Scott, what do you like? Well, you've got an undefeated Philly who draws a high number, which would be Stanside uh, Heredia out of the Richard Hannon barn, daughter of Dark Angel. We've seen a Dark Angel winner so far this week at Royal Ascot, so the, the going should not be an issue. Um, this uh, Philly, I, I think the, the, the Stanside, I was overhearing some folks discussing in the uh, in the media center here at Ascot that some of the riders believe that the faster ground is on the Stanside, so those higher draws is a plus. So, um She's 8-1 to one on the morning line. We'll see what we get there uh, with her, uh, with that post-position draw. I think that uh, perhaps even love uh, love interest with David O'Mara uh, and Clipper Logistics. They've got such good good horses, and they've already had a winner this week. They won the Queen Mary, in fact, with a filly that looks like she could be anything uh, dramatized. So um, love interest, I, I think, is an interesting one off of her couple of runs so far this season and uh, stepping up to this kind of level of competition during the Royal Meeting. Uh, John Gosden's got Cornell, the eight, another one that has a high draw, and you know she should be, she should be right there in the mix early on. Frankie's riding for Judmont Farms. It's a Kingman filly. I think that you've got to give her a lot of respect. But uh, I think the filly that draws post twenty one, undefeated, and that that breeding, uh, you've got to give her a very big look uh, in this race to to be able to pull off a win in the Sandringham. It's a tricky race for sure. It's interesting that note about. Uh, maybe the stand side being better, and it looked actually much fairer to me, just to my eye, than I than I'd seen it before. And and one tip yeah. to that was seeing a lot of the riders coming down the center. But we'll see as the as it as it draws on how that uh, how that plays out. I, I, I'm just just this one. I honestly feel like I'm throwing a dart, but uh, you know, for the for the record, to have a recorded pick in the race, I thought that the discretion looked uh, looked like an interesting one to, to maybe mix in with some numbers. 
very, very tough race, though, uh, and I'll definitely be getting clever and, uh, and, and paying a lot of attention to the runners that you uh, put up for this contest. Let's go on second to last race of the day. Group 2 action in the King Edward, the seventh stakes, mile and a half on the turf. Shorter field here, um, and we've got on the morning line uh, a favorite in, uh, in Ottoman Fleet. Are you with or against? Well, this is the horse that I think has really not stepped up to, to these kind of runners. So, in my opinion, probably fairly unexposed. I mean, you've got to obviously respect anything that Charlie Appleby sends out with, with the, the number one rider, William Buick. And he comes off of a victory. He's run two solid races. But, you know, this is a step up. There's no question about it. I, changing of the guard the number one horse for the Coolmore Connections and, and Westerberg and Aiden O'Brien. Coming off of that fifth in the uh, the Derby just uh, well, just days ago, really, basically a two-week turnaround for this Colt, um, I think that you've got to respect him. Those horses that were out in front of him are, are serious racehorses, obviously led by Desert Crown and Hu Yamal, who just sold for a ton of money at the sale on Monday here, and then Westover, who was flying late in that race. And we did see a runner uh, come out of the Derby and run here this week, Nahil, I believe yeah. his name, for uh, for Godolphin. And he was fried before he went to the start. I was speaking to Luke Harvey, who's on the ITV coverage, who spends his time in the coverage down at the starts, and he said he was absolutely fried. Interesting. Same thing happened to him at the Derby. So... I don't think we can look at that. If you're looking at that, said he ran poorly off of his seventh, whatever it was in the Derby, ran poorly here at Ascot. I think that if this Colt's mind is right and the Galileos tend to be, um, I think that he's got a, a, a big look to, to pull off that win versus the, the runner for Godolphin. And then Lysander, you know, another one that's, I think, relatively unexposed, but there's a big feeling that uh, that William Haggis is going to come and have a big week. Obviously, it started big with, with Baid. And so you've got to look at this horse as a, as a player at this kind of a trip, given the way that he's run in those two longer distance races this season. I'm always willing to forgive horses that have issues at Epsom, whether it's right. the crowd and, the, you know, this year they, in a very American thing, had fireworks before the start that apparently agitated a bunch of runners. I'm willing to, to line that out and see if changing of the guard is, is the real deal in here. And then, yeah, you mentioned the... the the other logical contenders as well. So with that, let's move on to the nightcap. We've got uh, more handicap action in this one, and very curious how you want to close out this day. How can, can we can we have a winner in the in the get out stakes, the Palace of Holyrood House? It's I think the two favorites right now. Looking at the the UK market around eight to one. Just going to show you how difficult this race is. One of his one of which is is Riffin, the the Stone Street filly that Wesley brings over her here off of uh, that, that prep race at Keeneland in the in the TVG Limestone. Um, the thing that worries me about her is the fact that Derry Nane was coming to her and almost got to her, but perhaps she just needed that race. And, and Rithin didn't run bad in the Windsor Castle here last year, so they know, you know, how she handles the ground, how she handles the course, obviously on the straight. So uh, why would you bring a horse back if you thought that she just didn't handle it? Um, so I think that that's the case. And, and to me, she her form looks a lot like what potentially Love Reigns' form is going to turn out to be. Love Reigns, flashy winner on debut at Keeneland mm-hmm. on the turf late in the season during the spring meeting, comes over, runs solid, did so in the Queen Mary. I'm sure they're going to give her some time off. 
uh, off of that win or that, that run yesterday, finishing fourth, and then, you know, whatever they decide to bring her back, whether it's in the fall or come spring at Keeneland or parts in between. But, you know, Rithin is an interesting one, and, and hopefully she can move forward off of that because I think that she has to because Darianne was coming to her. Her world, the filly that was actually favored in the TVG Limestone, a, a very quick filly for Wesley that broke her maiden in the Tyro uh, on debut, she came out of that race and was the favorite in the allowance race at Monmouth most recently and did not win. So does that muddle the form a bit on Rithin? Perhaps it does, but uh, she needs to step forward and hopefully she builds off of that that race and the workouts that she's had for, for Wesley and Keeneland on the turf course over the yielding ground, so hopefully getting something out of it. I like your angle there about the reasons for potential improvement. I did really like the jump up in figure terms. It was as you'd expect for a horse off for a year. This is a race that, you know, uh, definitely you could get a headache going <laughs> through all of the form of, So I'm keeping it simple. I'm going to play the American Angle Rhythm with you and see if we can get out with a few winners here on Friday of Royal Ascot Week. Naomi will be back for a show on Saturday. Scott, just got to thank you again for taking time out of a busy day to join us here and share your thoughts. Always a pleasure, Peter, and uh, let's hope that we're doing it again next year. That's the plan anyway, as As it stands now. We'll thank you one more time, Scott. We'll thank our friends at AfterRaces.com for sponsoring this show. Thank everybody out there for listening. May you win all your Royal Ascot photos.